0: Today on Broadway for Tuesday, February 11th, 2020 I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves,
1: And I'm Broadway star James Marino
0: Hi James We are chugging along on day two of our week together While Matt takes Manhattan I don't quite remember what he's got coming up next I think Monday night was the headlands at LCT But don't quote me on that Just makes me all really dizzy to think about But I'm glad he's having a good time
1: yeah, Headlands uh, is the Monday night planned Hades Town, way down Hades Town. <gasps>
0: uh, I keep Tuesday, trying the 11th. to go back, and it's just not been fruitful for me so far.
1: You know, there was a rumor that a uh, girl from the North Country and Medea over at Bam were down uh, available at TDF. Um, oh,
0: really? Yeah.
1: So yeah. we have to keep our eyes open on the TDF boards,
0: you know. Always on the TDF boards. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, not really going to score want... Hades Town, but no. I mean, to be fair, there are very cheap ways to score Hades Town. It's just my schedule is so erratic.
1: The schedule is always
0: the problem. You know. the, sh- the schedule, the schedule. The sh- but my, sh- my schedule is a little bit more free now that we're in a post-Oscars world and out of film awards season. So, I mean, I'm between, I've got like three minutes before I have to worry about theater award season. But at least for now, my skin is clear, my bank account's thriving. Very Excellent. exciting. Very exciting. Also thriving, James, is our Patreon. If you haven't already and are so inclined, head over to patreon.com slash broadwayradio or broadwayradio.com slash Patreon to back us. Get all the good stuff, including the Tam and any files and much, much more.
1: Absolutely. You know, the uh, Patreon is just uh, an awesome way for our listeners to be able to support us and broadway radio so yes and uh we thank all of our patreons uh support we're
0: needy and we need the support
1: <laughs> and we give them lots of extra things and and yes. matt matt and i will be recording a uh a first segment of matt, matt matt's trip uh on tuesday morning for release sort of tuesday afternoonish. So uh, if you're a Patreon listener, you will be able to get that as well. And also want to thank our friends at ExpressVPN, where yes. you can get a special uh, bonus at expressvpncom slash Broadway. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later on. But right now, last night's Oscars... Winners and best moments
0: Yeah, you know, I did the thing I said I wasn't going to do, James And I watched the whole of this year's Oscar broadcast I I know, turns out I wasn't as upset by it it as I could have been, considering my favorite film of the year Bong Joon-ho's Parasite was the top winner of the night, taking home the awards for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Original Screenplay, and Best International Feature Film. This was the first film not in the English language to win Best Picture, not to be confused with General International, as France is the Artist, a silent film won in 2011. Thanks again for that reminder, Kat. As far as theater-adjacent winners and nominees, Cynthia Erivo did not end up collecting her EGOT quite Mm. yet, despite her two nominations. Renee Zellweger, though, won her second Oscar, taking home the Best Performance by an Actress in a Leading Role Trophy for her performance as Judy Garland in the biopic Judy. As for Best Original Song, where Erivo was nominated for Harriet's Stand Up... Elton John collected another Oscar for I'm Gonna Love Me Again from Rocket Man, the first Oscar with his usual songwriting partner, Bernie Taupin, and Taupin's first Oscar overall. Both Orivo and John performed their respective songs during the evening. Also performing was Dina Menzel, who sang two, Frozen 2's Into the Unknown by the Lopez's. Very cool moment as she was joined by several Elsas from around the world. Some other great moments on the night included Freestyle Love Supremes Utkarsh and Budkar recapping the show around the halfway mark in a freestyle that included telling Lin-Manuel Miranda that In the Heights was going to win Oscars next year. (laughs) Also, James Corden and Rebel Wilson got back into their cat's makeup and actual costumes to emphasize the importance of visual effects which apparently the Visual Effects Society wasn't very happy about. <laughs> but, I mean, <laughs> tough. <laughs> so, overall, a really fun night. Congratulations to all the winners and nominees. Uh, I was surprisingly really happy with everything. Uh, we will post the links to the full winners list in those video highlights that I already named. Did you get to watch any of the night's festivities, James?
1: No, not nary one minute of it. Ooh, Although see, I saw pictures the of uh, op- uh, <laughs> I saw Billy Porter on the red carpet though. I saw pictures of Billy Porter on the red carpet and yes. I heard that he had an opening number of some sort that I did not see.
0: I think he was very briefly in Janelle Monáe's opening number. I don't think he did anything specific. Uh but I mean he he his uh you know his ex, his existence is a highlight. To be fair,
1: you know it's it's not outfits. theater related, but I have to give a shout out to my man B-Rack Obama for his Oscar win, and just a reminder oh, yeah. that Barack Obama has an Oscar and
0: a uh, uh, a Nobel Peace Prize, Nobel right, Peace yeah.
1: Prize, an Oscar, Nobel and Oscar, and Trump Prize, is still impeached.
0: No impeachments and no bankruptcies. Amazing. No,
1: yeah, and uh, Barack Obama can run a charity in the state of New York, whereas mm. uh, Donald Trump is not allowed to.
0: As you say, we're one person who won't be named Will, or who, who can't. Exactly. But
1: we've already named him anyway. So uh, <laughs> this ties in uh, pretty well with um, our sponsor, because our sponsor for this week is being brought to you by our friends at ExpressVPN.
0: Yes, watch and- all those international titles.
1: Yes, but, you know, if you want to protect your data against uh, some prying eyes of the NSA or the government, a VPN would be very helpful, too. <laughs> and, uh, Express- full circle. Yeah, full circle, you know. So ExpressVPN VPN is going to protect you from, your, from privacy concerns and protect you from security concerns because it's a virtual private network. And when you have one of these uh, virtual private network services, ExpressVPN is the best because a lot of them out there are really slow. But ExpressVPN has got lots of fast servers all over the world and is always adding and changing servers so that, that as people... Catch on to ExpressVPN, and they try to block ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN says, nah, 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 nah. "Not, gonna not, 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 not going to do that today. Gonna, not today, evil ones." So, mm-hmm. um, ExpressVPN in in the in the realm of security, if you're connected to a public Wi-Fi network, and you know there's no way to really know how secure it is. Uh, you know, it could have been set up by Uh, the owner's nephew, or it could have been set up by a top-tier IT firm. You don't know, and you have no idea if your stuff is secure. So if you're going to do anything at that coffee shop using their Wi-Fi or at that hotel using their Wi-Fi mm-hmm. or somewhere else. You want to make sure that everything is secure, and so you don't have to worry about how secure they are if you use ExpressVPN. The second reason to use ExpressVPN, it can change your location, as Ashley and I were talking about. Yes. Um Let you see things that are geographically restricted, like perhaps the BBC or uh, if you're somewhere else and you want to watch PBS or even uh, Broadway HD or something like that and or various different uh, Netflix things are, are licensed or as Matt brought up a couple of weeks ago was awesome. The release of a uh, of an album in a time zone so you can sign into the Australian time zone
0: yeah, get, and get, the, get
1: the download as soon as it comes out if you aren't friends with Robbie. Um <laughs> and send and you can choose from almost a hundred different countries, and so don't let technology stop you for getting your candor and ebb fix. What do you think? Is it better than saw time? you know same different you know I don't know. <laughs> Aaron ha- Flarity. You had,
0: you had me silent. So. <laughs> <laughs> I love Canterm.
1: <laughs> Express VPN is lightning fast and you not have to worry about buffering. And if you visit our special link right now, expressVPN.com slash Broadway, you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. Show you support of the show. Watch what you want and project yourself at ExpressVPN.com slash Broadway. Very cool. All right. From one set of financials to another, what we're happened? In, all
0: the fiscal responsibilities all the fiscal's,
1: here. <laughs> the fiscal family sticks together. <laughs> what happened in Broadway's uh, box office last week?
0: Yeah. Despite what might feel like a slow point in the season, numbers were actually up this past week as 26 shows brought in $26,971,364, up 4% from the week prior. And up three percent in attendance. The hot stories in this cold past week were Moulin Rouge over at the Al Hirschfeld Theater, which brought in one million six hundred and thirty thousand two hundred and eighty-four dollars, ninety-two point nine three percent of its gross potential, and over a hundred percent of its capacity. The highly buzzed-about West Side Story revival continues its long preview run with strong numbers. It brought in $1,521,431, 88% of its potential at 100% capacity as well. And American Utopia also continued its record-breaking run with another record broken. The show brought in $1,416,344 at the Hudson over seven performances, breaking the previous high mark set by Sunday in the Park with George back in April 2017. That that record was over eight performances as well. Of the high earners on the week, shockingly, Hamilton topped the list, clearly just coasting off its recent movie announcement. The Miranda musical was the sole $2 million earner at $2,692,357. Moving down the list was Moulin Rouge, West Side Story, Tina the Tina Turner Musical, The Lion King, American Utopia, Wicked, To Kill a Mockingbird, Ain't Too Proud, Town, Aladdin, Beetlejuice, and Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, all above. Of the 1 million mark. Besides Hamilton, two shows capped out their gross potential, Cursed Child at 109.7% of its gross potential, and David Burns American Utopia at 153.52%. Hadestown was just under at 92.82%. One show was added to the board last week, the public transfer of the West End transfer of Girl from the North Country. That show played three preview performances at the Belasco and therefore only brought in $316,215, or just under 82% of its potential At the bottom of the boards for those shows that actually played a full week, Grand Horizons brought in $231,783, which was actually up from the previous week and at 40.58% of its potential. Next up, though, the struggling The Inheritance continues to have a rough go of it, pulling in just $308,715, or 27.14% of its gross and under 50% capacity. Also on the low end were A Soldier's Play and My Name is Lucy Barton, but both of those shows were up from the previous week and pulling in at least 60% of their potential. So looking ahead, James we will see six added to the boards, which I mentioned yesterday starts previews later this week. West Side Story is scheduled to open next week on the 20th, so it will be interesting to see what happens there in the coming weeks. I imagine the next show we will hear from is The inheritance. We will talk a little bit uh, more about them later in the show. Obviously, they want to hold on as long into the season as possible, as close to Tony time as possible, but they're under 50% capacity, just regularly incredibly low grosses. It's far and away the lowest pull at the moment can't imagine they're going to be able to make it worthwhile especially considering it's a seven hour show
1: yeah it's a it's a tough hold tough haul there seven hours and you know you know you're you're in essence seven seven
0: hours with people not particularly happy with it is is a lot to ask of
1: you're in essence you have to how to get The word out to the audiences uh, to come and see this show. I mean, I I feel for the producers here. All right. What do we have in show and casting and other news?
0: Mm -hmm. First up, the Broadway cast of Mean Girls named its next Karen Smith. Succeeding role originator Kate Rockwell will be Laura Lee Turner, who will take over at the August Wilson Theater beginning March 10th. Turner, a student of Oklahoma City University, has been seen in stagings of Sister Act and Hairspray as well as Memphis at the Arkansas Repertory Theater. Rockwell, as well as co-stars Barrett Wilbert Weed and Gray Henson, who play Janice and Damian respectively, will all leave on March 8th. As previously reported, Olivia Kaufman will take over for Weed and Chad Burris will succeed Henson. Also announced on Monday, Tony Winner and Late Late Show host James Corden, as well as Oh Hello, star John Mulaney. And British comedian Ramesh Ranganathan will join the upcoming movie adaptation of Cinderella. The trio of comedians will play Mice slash Footman in the Camilla Cabela-led movie. Minnie Driver will also join the cast as the Queen Beatrice as pre. Previously announced adina Menzel will play the stepmother, and Billy Porter will play the fairy godmother in that film, which is due for theaters on February 5th, 2021. The theater casting team of Stewart and Whitley also announced they will be expanding their New York-based office by opening a new film and television arm. The team behind *Hades Town*, Great Comet, Pippin, and more have reportedly brought on casting dire- director Joey Montanarello, whose credits include Oscar-winning Spotlight, Netflix's Jessica Jones and more, Stewart and Whitley's New York office new york london office is currently responsible for tiny pretty things and matt's favorite zoe's extraordinary playlist i would expect that this new film and tv arm means we'll be seeing a lot more broadway actors on screen very soon (laughs) and finally over at ars nova the full cast has been announced for heather christian's upcoming oratorio for living things the production which is set to play a limited run at Greenwich House will feature an 18-member ensemble uh, an 18-member ensemble of singers and instrumentalists that will surround the audience. That cast includes Ryan Amador, Christian Brailsford, Lauren Dateap, Sean Donovan and more. Oratorio for Living Things will run from March 10th through April 12th.
1: All right. So now What do we have in recommendations? i got
0: a few recommendations. So I mentioned we talk about the inheritance. Mm -hmm. Uh, The first two recommendations I have, they came out on Friday, and I actually completely forgot about them until we were looking at grosses for Monday. The New York Times ran a pair of pieces, the first from writer Matthew Lopez entitled, What I Wanted to Say in the Inheritance and What I Didn't. And the other, a Reader's React piece from the comment section of Brantley's review on the show. Kind of a throwaway piece, but cool to check out anyway. For the first, Lopez talks about, exactly as the title said, what led him to create the show, what he said, what he didn't say. Basically responding to the critiques of the last few months about it, that it's a narrow representation of modern gay life, it isn't diverse. Uh, He says, quote, I wasn't attempting to create a generationally defining work of theater that spoke for the entire queer experience. What I was tempting was an examination of class, economic equality, and poverty within the gay community, issues I have rarely seen depicted in theater. I have painted on a broad canvas that is simply not the canvas others might have chosen. He also talks about the lens of race and how it's on a central theme. Uh, He says, uh, this is a decision for which I have been criticized, but it is a decision that I made consciously as a person of color It is a consideration that Is not asked of white writers but it is One that writers of color must face with every Project which begin Which we begin which I think is a Really good point Obviously there's been a lot of criticism around the show As I mentioned earlier and People aren't really going out to see it because They don't see it as very uh, That it doesn't really Represent the community Well I don't necessarily think His comment is entirely accurate there. I think this is absolutely a discussion that writers of color are expected to write, you know, insert type of show here. So white people go to a show written by a playwright of color and immediately assume it's going to be a show explicitly and solely about race. I do think some of the more conscious critics, many of whom are also queer writers of color, like Hilton Als and Jose Solis and Roxane Gay and so many others are not necessarily asking of writers of color to write diverse works, but just generally asking for producers to produce diverse works by writers of color. So it's basically, it's not saying Matthew Lopez, you need to write a diverse play. It's saying, why was this the play that got produced on Broadway over something like, say, Danya, Our Loves 1 and 2? But I mean, we talked about box office numbers. Either way, it's obviously not working as is because butts aren't in seats and money isn't being made. So both whatever the intention was clearly, it clearly isn't there and doesn't matter because it doesn't speak to the audience it's supposed to be there for.
1: So this is... uh... Interesting that the that the Broadway grosses this week are dovetailing with this with this story exactly mm-hmm. as, as you have brought these two together as peanut butter and jelly, um, uh, and I I don't have an, I don't I don't think anybody has an answer to this uh, I'm not sure, no, you know it's a chicken and the egg thing and I think that it's uh, it, it's it's hard to tell you know it's easy for hilton Ells to stand back and say uh you know commercial producers need to bring more writers of color to the to the theater when
0: which unquestionably so yeah
1: yeah uh, you know hilton come up with the 10 million bucks you know
0: oh no fair but i mean the 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 state is that you're putting the inheritance on which is not with actors of color mm-hmm. and people are not going to see the show. Sure. So is it that people don't feel like they're represented, or not going, or is it because it's a seven-hour play, people aren't going, or is it a combination of all of it? Again, I think people are not asking writers of color to write diverse works, and it's more so that they're asking producers to actually put up the money to fund diverse works, whether on Broadway or off Broadway. And we talk time and time again of. How much better off Broadway is about that?
1: Yeah, I mean the the league produces the uh, audience demographics every year, and and I think that you know producers are probably gearing towards trying to appease that audience. And, p-
0: appease being the exact word. <laughs>
1: yes. <laughs> so uh,
0: our friend Josh and Dave, what are they doing? Yeah, the other recommendation brings me significantly more joy than The Inheritance does. This was featured in Vulture, apparently at New York Theatre Workshop Spring Gala, uh, which honored Jordan Roth and Rachel Chavkin. Dave Malloy and Josh Groban got together to perform a song Malloy had written uh, based on one of the War and Peace epilogues it's kind of like the happy ending song that Great Comet didn't get <laughs> the song's entitled epilogue in the set where Pierre and Natasha have been married for seven years with four children Pierre kind of finds himself wrestling with both his past and their future it's just a really beautiful song and I mean that no one else motif comes in and it's just chills. I'm I'm kind of eternally bitter with how Great Comet went out and how hard that show went out. Mm-hmm. But I will listen to every single bit of content that comes out of it for the rest of my life.
1: Yeah, this is, uh, you know, really, really wonderful. I'm looking forward to seeing Dave's Moby Dick uh, oh
0: my God!
1: Yes, you know, hoping that that will have another life uh, after ART up in, up mm-hmm. in Cambridge and come and down to. We've
0: we've we've heard a bit that it may yeah. very well soon.
1: Yeah. All right, so let's go out on a happy note. Why don't you get us out of here?
0: Yeah, thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Be sure to head over to patreon.com slash broadwayradio or broadwayradio.com slash patreon to back us if you haven't already. And also support those who support us. Head over to expressvpn.com slash broadway to take advantage of their special sponsor offer. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at This Is Ashley.
1: And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for spending some of your Tuesday with us. Uh, Matt and I are going to have a special episode, the Patreon feed, later on on Tuesday. And uh, Ashley and I will be back and talk to you Wednesday morning.